Hi everyone, Shalom to Derech Podcast. My name is Noam and I'm the Israeli Shlicha here in Nashville, Tennessee. Derech is a journey in Hebrew and we are here to listen and get inspired by people's stories and also get to know our amazing community. We have an amazing guest, Emma! Hi! Applause, applause, applause! applause. applause. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Emma, tell um, our listeners um, a little bit about yourself. <laughs> um, well, Jewishly, I feel like it's important to start with, um, I'm single. <laughs> I know this is very important for <clears throat> Jewish mothers that listen to this podcast who have single sons, or Jewish grandmothers who have single grandsons, so... <laughs> First and foremost, yes, I'm available. Um, <laughs> but I am new to Nashville. You know, I, I moved here uh, last month in September. Um, but I was born and raised in North Florida, where I lived my whole life. Uh, went to school there, went to college there. Um, and I was not born Jewish. It's a great segue to the topic of our podcast today. And I was just telling Emma before that I, I've met people that went through the process of conversion, but I didn't get the chance to like sit one-on-one and ask questions and feel comfortable to ask the questions. So you're, you're here to help and to tell your story with conversion. But before that, let's tell everyone why, why is this day so special and how did we meet? <laughs> so Noam and I met doing uh, leadership together right um, in Jacksonville so you came to me mm-hmm. and I picked you up from the airport I know I know <laughs> that's how we met uh, and we had the best time in Jacksonville with everyone um, and we became a close group with a partnership um, and then I had a zoom call I think a, about a month ago partnership related as well And our beloved Chrissy said, no, what complex are you leaving? And I'm not going to say it here, but um, <laughs> I just figured out on the Zoom that Emma moves to my complex and I screamed in the middle of the call. I couldn't focus on anything else. I text her repeatedly every day <laughs> pictures from our complex from the same view I like <laughs> i just move here please and since then we became um a quarantine bubble with lital the shlicha from the hillel and we um going through this thing together to go back to um you emma mm-hmm. um just tell me a little bit of Tell us uh, a little bit of, of a background, like your childhood, um, uh, take us back. <laughs> back to the beginning. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like I said, I was born and raised in Northeast Florida. I, I never left. <laughs> Even when I went away to college, it was still considered Northeast Florida. Um, it was only about an hour away, but I come from a very small family. So I don't have a lot of cousins. Um, I only have one sister, she's older than me, and so it was really just me and my parents and my sister, and that was it <laughs> growing up. Um, I've had a wild religious education because I was baptized Episcopalian. 
which what what does it mean? So Episcopalian is a um, denomination of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very similar to Catholicism. In fact, a lot of people call it uh, Catholic decaf. <laughs> Because the, the, the beliefs and the structure of the service are very similar, but um, Episcopalians tend to be more liberal in their views, mm-hmm. such as um, women can be priests, um, divorce is allowed, or at least not frowned upon, mm-hmm. and a lot of, um, many Episcopalian congregations are very welcoming of the LGBTQ community. Uh, so I was sent to yeah. Catholic school. So Monday through Friday, I had a very Catholic experience at school. Went to Mass every Friday, so I was at a religious service every Friday. And then Sunday, I was an Episcopalian. (laughs) Wow. So it was interesting in that I was really, I was being taught one thing Monday through Friday, and then sort of, in a way, being taught another on Sunday. How did it affect you (laughs) as a child to hear those, like, I mean, the same values, but different messages? Um... Did it confuse you or you just went with it? <laughs> well, so here's the other curious thing. I actually think, you know, at the time, I'm pretty sure it was confusing for me um, because our my mom sent me and my sister to Catholic school because she didn't want us to go to public school. I think she thought mm. that some of the kids in public school were a little too rough and tumble for her precious angels. <laughs> so she sent us to private school and it happened to be Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um and very close to our home. That was another big plus. But I'll say this. So um, as far as Catholicism goes, um, if you are not Catholic, they do not permit you to take part in certain sacraments. So some of the hallmarks are taking communion during a service. Mm-hmm. Since I was not baptized Catholic, I was not allowed to do that. I had to stay in the, in the pews and stay seated. Um, I was not allowed to go to confession. To feel like an outsider as a child is, I mean, and as an adult as well, it's just so difficult. When was your first encounter with Judaism? Was it um, when you started working for a federation or was other encounter? Um, It was actually in high school. Really? So I, I did, so I left um, Catholic school, which I stayed till eighth grade. So you're, you're through middle school, you're like 14, 15, and you go to high school. Um, I went to public high school. Wow, what a big. <laughs> that was a huge adjustment for me. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and two, like I went to a really, really small Catholic school when I graduated the eighth grade. There were 14 kids in the class. I go to high school and there's like... 250, 300 kids in my grade alone. Like, <laughs> so it was, it was a huge shock for me. Um, what I realized when I look back is that clearly I missed out on the bar bar mitzvah years. So if I'd been to public school for middle school, I could have gone to my classmates bar bar mitzvahs probably <laughs> and had an exposure earlier. Um, actually, I take that back. My first experience with Judaism was in the eighth grade in my religion class. So um, the teacher's aide for that particular class, she um, hosted like a Passover experience for us, which I did not like, I don't think we understood at the time what she was sharing with us because she brought matzah to class. (laughs) 
And this was it's in like, the spring. what is this? Where's yeah. the bread? <laughs> um, now, she also brought cream cheese, like flavored cream cheese. So it was definitely okay. cheating. <laughs> um, so from there, um, you went to a public high school. Mm-hmm. How? Tell us about this change and the experience there. Um, so I had, um, at the time that I was in high school, I had a few classmates that were Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one who just, for luck of the draw, or the fact that his last name also began with, began with the same letter as mine did, so we were in a lot of the same classes together. Uh, his name is Corey. I think I have a memory of him uh, giving our English teacher uh, a note at one time saying that he was going to be out of class probably for Rosh Hashanah, like if I think about mm-hmm. it. And so that was my first exposure to um, an observant Jew. This was a question that I wrote. <laughs> How did Eva Grace started working for Federation? And, okay, so I obviously graduated high school. Yay, good for me. I went to college. <laughs> good for you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Um, I went to college. So then I was trying to move back home after I graduated um, because the city that I went to college in didn't have a lot of jobs unless you were working in tourism. Mm. And the Jewish Federation was the only place that would hire me. (laughs) So the Jewish Federation was, in fact, my first job out of college. Like, real job, like, big girl office job. And you worked there for how long? Seven years. How was working for Federation? The the beginning of my- <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of who I am now, um, because obviously it, it you know played a huge role in who I am professionally. Um, because I didn't leave, um, so I like to sort of phrase it as drinking water from a fire hydrant. You have no choice to drink the water. It's coming at you with intense force. <laughs> you can't really not do it because it's going to knock you over if you don't. Do- so it was it was an immense learning curve. I really knew nothing practical about Judaism other than Corey Portnoy did not come to school for a few days <laughs> in the fall one year in high school because he was observing Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah. Um, <laughs> so I got hired for um, just like a very basic like receptionist administrative role. Mm-hmm. Um, some part-time office management, some part-time event programming. And that is how I got to work with Jill Abel, who is... We love her so much. We, I love her more than life itself. I want to be her when I grow up. <laughs> she at the time was the, was the partnership coordinator um, for the Federation um, just for Northeast Florida. And now, of course, she is the director of the Southeast Consortium, mm-hmm. well-deserved. She spent a lot of years um, and has put a lot of time and effort into it. But I think that was how I got hooked because Jill and yeah. I just clicked. Like, she was really great. I always enjoyed the work that I did for her um, because really it was – what I was thinking when I was going into it is that this is just an office job. I'm going to get some experience. I'm going to leave after two years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Federation is like – is that 10 p.m.? Okay, I have a few other emails, yeah. and I'll just keep working. You are, you are oh, the never not working. working. <laughs> so um, I just learned really quickly because you had to. You know, I was interfacing with um, 
the Jewish community in Jacksonville, which up to that point, I didn't really know how big it was. And, and then I learned how, damn, it's actually pretty big. So I had to learn really quickly about, you know, the difference between interacting with um, an Orthodox rabbi versus just someone who's unaffiliated or even reform and sort of those nuances within the community. Um, I think I remember being told on my first day by one of the other administrative assistants, she just told me straight up, she was like, don't try to shake the hand of a Jewish man unless he offers it first. Because, you know, you just, you don't know just by looking at someone, yeah. oh, they're Orthodox, oh, they're conservative. You just don't know. So I've been to all four of the synagogues that are in Jacksonville. So we have two reform, uh, one conservative and one Orthodox. And I got pretty comfortable in all of them because we would sort of rotate hosting events and fundraisers mm -hmm. at them to sort of bring the community together and try to get people who maybe only went to the conservative synagogue to come to the reform one, you know, and vice versa. Did you have any moments that you remember, oh, that's that's new information, or that's, I don't know, if, yeah, new information? I can tell you that I have now memorized almost every single symbol for um, kosher. Oh, yeah. On food That's labels. a big one. Uh, <laughs> I Me think too. I had a, a sheet that was printed out that I just had to learn because I had to do a lot of um, shopping for events and for meetings, and it was very important to the Federation to, of course, um, make sure what we were serving was uh, either dairy or parv. How was the journey of wanting to convert, searching and learning about conversion, or did you have like a in feeling, or how did it started? So this might be a long answer. And a very That's deep, okay. And a very deep one, because obviously this is a very um, serious topic. I will share with you that, um, you know, my mother is very close with her religion, with her Christianity. Um, and I, growing up, maybe because I had two separate versions of it, it didn't connect with me. I didn't feel connected. To the faith, I always have felt connected to the space. Mm -hmm. um, I, I still love being inside of a church. I still feel very at home there. Um, and just sort of, you know, going through that teenage rebellion phase. Yeah. The I think the more my mother really pushed for us to keep going to church, um, the more, and I'll, I'll include my sister in this, the more she and I really resisted it. Um, and I think just going through life and some of the other experiences I had, I just thought, you know, this isn't for me, at least in the sense of going to Christian services. I believed that there was something bigger than mm -hmm. me out there in the universe. I didn't know what it was like, um, but I, I felt, and, and I did share this with my mom at one time. Um, I said, I, I don't believe that I should have to sing and hold hands with other people just to prove that I believe in something. Like, I don't want that to be my experience. Wow. Um, How did she react? My mother, I, I love my mother. She's the best person I know. Um, she really does try to keep an open mind. Yeah. I think it does make her a little sad that my sister and I do not share her faith um, because she spent a lot of time investing in us. <laughs> It's very, it's very difficult. I uh, 
I appreciate your mom so much. And um, Emma just showed me a card that she sent her. Um, and on the card, she has a cat that looks like Trudy. Um, it, this is really difficult. It Religious is. is like, it's a way of, of life in a sense. I did, I even, I, I waited for um, a, a while to, to tell my parents, not because I thought that they were going to be angry or upset or say like, get out of my house. Like that was never going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I have watched my mom just always try her hardest to be more open-minded, to learn more, to try to find strength in her own faith, but to also learn about other people's perspectives and, you know, that is the greatest gift she could have ever given me. Um, so, so maybe I didn't turn out the way she would have preferred, but, you know, the fact that she is um, so open and she, she gave me a good foundation, you know, Christian values are not, you know, just Christian values, they're pretty universal. Be nice to your neighbor, like, don't be a crabby person. Share your crayons. <laughs> You know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm teasing, but it's like, you know, she, she gave me a good moral foundation, you know, and, and, and guideposts for life, for how to be a, a good and virtuous person. And, and though I did not choose her particular avenue, yeah, I think she finds comfort that there is something out there for me that I do connect to. So I'm grateful for her. Tell me a little bit, tell us a little bit about the... The process. Oh, boy. Three years ago, I came to Nashville for the first time. Mm -hmm. My first uh, journey with uh, leadership together. And I met Christy, who was also a convert. Oh, no, we love Christy. We love Christy. Christy oh. is unique in the same way that I am, in that we did not choose to convert for a romantic partner. We did it totally on our own. And to say another great thing about wonderful Christy, that we were on the plane to Jacksonville and I, on, at the airport, on the plane, or um, the line to Starbucks, I kept asking her questions about her life and her <laughs> conversion and her journey. And yeah, so we love you, Christy. <laughs> we love you, Christy. Um, which, which isn't to say, like, I, I don't want to say, like, um, that the only reason that anyone in in the Jewish diaspora converts is because they're getting married or because they anticipate getting married. I think that mm -hmm. is too large of a generalization, but more often than not, that is the case. So I had my big aha moment in Israel, as mm -hmm. I like to call it, my moment of discovery. So yeah, so when we were going uh, north to sort of uh, end our trip in our partnership region in, in Hadera and uh, Partisana, um, we stopped at a uh, kibbutz, a farm on a kibbutz, and one of our activities was um, cutting down, uh, like invading vines and trees in like an olive grove. So after we finished our manual labor, <laughs> we put the uh, hacksaws away and we did probably the most Jewish thing you could do, which is we cooked a big meal together. Um, and we had a big bonfire and we just, we had a really nice, just relaxing evening. So we'd done all this work. Then we, then we all like pitched in and we made dinner together. And at one point I sort of, uh, 
left the group for a little bit and I walked a little bit out into the field just to be by mm -hmm. myself for a minute. And it was as magical as you can imagine it. Like the sun was setting, it was beautiful. We had done something meaningful where we had done work with our hands in, in such a, you know, for Jews, a, a holy space, you know, the land of Israel, yeah. and like it's so meaningful. You went through a lot physically and mentally. <gasps> <laughs> but yeah, the sun was setting and I just sort of looked up at the sky and I was like, you know what? Like this is the, the best I felt about like myself as a person, the best I felt about being in a community. And so I just said, I hear you, I get it. Like this is the universe telling me this is where you're meant to be. This is incredible and I'm so happy you had this like beautiful scenario to remember it forever that you had the aha moment of like i'm doing this um um how did people react like your close group of friends or or people in general people from federation or even your family um and how did you deal with it it's a big question it's a big question yeah i knew the the seriousness of, of what I was committing to taking on. Um, so when I first came home, I sort of sat with this, the decision for like two weeks just to make sure that I didn't, you know, back out or say, oh, no, just kidding. I like it was just such a, you know, an emotional time being there. And that's why I said I was going to do it. Um, I, you know, I wanted to be sure. So I think probably the first person I shared it with was our um, Shaliach at the time, Rotem. Um, and he... He is just far and away one of the absolute sweetest people on the face of the earth. He's so, so awesome. Um, and he um, told me that he would come with me to speak to the rabbi. And so that was also very important to me. So he was there like when I went to go speak to the rabbi. I, I decided that I did want to convert uh, reform. Mm -hmm. And at the time, we had just gotten a new reform rabbi. I didn't really know her that well, but um, Rotem had done several events with her, which is why he said he'd come with me. And so that was sort of phase one. Phase one was um, checking in with the rabbi to see how complicated this is going to be. <laughs> um, then phase two was sort of telling my close friends, who uh, pretty much all of them said, yeah, that makes sense. Like, we see that for you. Like, go, like it was nothing but... But positivity or, you know, yeah, you haven't already converted. I don't understand. Like, <laughs> they were so used to me, like, it, being in a Jewish space. It just was like, Emma already is Jewish. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of positive responses there. And so after I had my initial conversation with uh, the rabbi, it was then that I slowly started to tell people um, at work and in the community, um, I... I really wanted to be in control of the narrative. I wanted to tell people slowly and deliberately. I didn't want to like tell one person and then one person tells another and then it spreads that way. I remember I told um, my, my friend and coworker at the time, uh, Faye Hedrick, I, we were in a grocery store getting something for an event and that's when I told her and she stopped me in the middle of the grocery store and kissed me on the cheek like she was gonna Aww. cry. <laughs> Faye tour <laughs> Jacksonville. Faye is just uh, wonderful. So I, I think I have had a very number one a very unique experience in that I received so much overwhelming support and positivity. Like no, I won't say no one. 
only a few people had anything to say that sort of made me feel negatively about it or sort of made me pause, I guess. Um, but these were not people who I would consider close friends. Um, they just happened to be people within the community who heard and, you know, whatever, had, had their opinion about what I was doing and the way I was doing it. But um, I'm happy most of the responses were um, great and supportive because this is what you deserve. And no matter what decision you make, um, you need to have a supportive environment. My dad and I, to this day, have, have yet to have a conversation about it which is something that makes me a little sad. Um, my dad is not as open as my mom, and mm -hmm. he and I are, are not as close as me and my mom, even though I, I, I love him and respect him. He is the best man on earth, um, and not just because he saved me every time I had a flat tire. Um, <laughs> he is someone that I, I truly love and respect, but I think that he and I just don't have that kind of relationship. Um, so I never told him directly, my mother told him on my behalf, and he wow. and I have never had a conversation about it. Um, so actually, other than him, I only had... I, I had moments privately where, um, just because I was maybe feeling insecure or whatever, and I, I did have a moment where I thought to myself, oh my god, am I only doing this because I want people to like me? You know, I had such a great time in Israel, and a lot of the activities we did, I was volunteered for them. And in a really weird way, I felt popular. <laughs> Something I never was in uh, Catholic school or high school. Um, and so I had a very- You felt a part of the group. I felt part of the group. I felt like, I, this is gonna sound like, I mean, I say it's gonna sound dumb, but I'm sure we've all had moments like this, but like- We all. I it was so nice to feel like people really liked me for me. And so I, I got a little self-conscious and anxious about converting because I thought, am I only doing this because I want these same people to like me? Did I only say I was going to do it because I felt the emotional pressure to, to maintain this, yes. this high of like people liking me for me. And then it's like, is it going to go away if I don't do it? That's why we all seek in life. <laughs> we seek for love and acceptance. Yeah. And we it makes a lot of sense. Us. <laughs> but the fact that you are aware of that means that your decision made because that was in your core and yeah. you really felt that. Um, Absolutely. And people should be, you, you should feel accepted um, no matter what your religious are and no matter where you're from because you're such an awesome person um so you moved to nashville how long ago i guess in a few weeks it'll be two whole months i moved here in the middle of september oh my god it and feels like you've been here forever i know because um, i visited so many times <laughs> <laughs> um and i hope everyone in the community will will get to know emma because she's such an awesome human being but how are you today? How do you feel now? How's Nashville? Um, how is getting to know the Nashville community? I'm doing great. <laughs> I, you, you know, I, I picked Nashville for a lot of reasons. Number one, I was sick of the heat. Uh, number two <laughs> is, uh, you know, obviously. I feel like a lot of people are going to say, Nashville is hot as well. <laughs> it, it's really not. Not if you're from Florida. It's actually really nice here. Um, <laughs> Leave the state once in a while. I mean, not for me. We all we all experience heat. 
Uh, well, and then you have uh, Jacob Coopin, who's a New Yorker, and is like, oh, it's so hot here. Kidding, <laughs> um, <laughs> Jacob. Never, uh, we love Jacob. Um, yeah, everyone's tolerance for weather is different. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I think it was very obvious that I, I chose Nashville for a lot of reasons. Um, it, in in my travels professionally and just for fun, like I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of people in the community. Um, and also I've gotten to just by happenstance attend services here mm-hmm. uh, pre-COVID. Um, so it just, it made the most sense because I'd experienced so much here. Um, yeah. And I, I knew that I wanted to, number one, leave Florida. <laughs> just for one, you know, like just have the experience of living somewhere else. Um, and number two, it was important to me to have a Jewish community. So that meant I was moving somewhere within the Southeast partnership. Yeah. Being a new Jew in COVID times is interesting. <laughs> um, Tell me more. COVID came. And so it was an issue of, um, you know, some things needed to happen. I needed to go to the mikvah. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, was closed because of COVID. So, you know, th- what do you do? Um, I offered, oh I was like, I will hop in a pool. I will sit in a jacuzzi. I will go stand in someone's <laughs> shower. Like, I don't really know. <laughs> I will let, like, get the garden hose and spray it on me. Like, let's, you know, I'm, I'm very flexible. Just because it's insane. Um, so there is a part of me, honestly, that's very sad that I didn't get the traditional mikvah experience. Um, but you will get, but I will, um, someday. Um, so part of it was just logistically complicated. Um, I was moving on from my position at Federation and we were also trying to incorporate another girl from my initial conversion class, um, who was a student and had to split her time between Florida and another state. So there was a lot of parts moving. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, by the grace of God, it all came together really, truly at the last minute. So, um, so my conversion happened Fourth of July weekend. Um, I my mikvah experience was um, in the ocean. <laughs> that is what we decided to use. <laughs> um, so I I feel really lucky because it all came. It was feeling like when when you when you when was the date? So um, I went. I had my mikvah experience on a Sunday, so it was actually the day after Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that date has um, super meaning. <laughs> super meaning. <laughs> um, Love that. So that weekend's just going to be special for so many reasons. Um, so yeah. So I, I um, it was feeling very like crazy and hopeless for a long time, and then like I said, at the last minute, it all came together. I got to go through my entire conversion journey with my friend, Abby, the student, um, mm-hmm. which was just truly special because, um, again, she was like me. She was converting for her own personal reasons. It was not related to, uh, you know, a spouse or a mar- you know, anything like that. Um, so we were coming from a very similar space emotionally um, and spiritually. And so we, we like raced out to the beach because when I lived in Florida, I lived like 45 minutes away from the beach. <laughs> so we like drove out there. We just sort of sat in the car for a minute because it was storming. And then there was like a blessed 15 minutes of peace. And we like got out of the car, walked out of the beach and Canterbury was like, get in the water. We're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we got to do this before the lightning comes again. And 
so yes, it was a little quick and maybe a little rushed, but it was still just sort of exhilarating and fun at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, so we had our mikvah experience in the ocean. And then the next day we um, were very lucky to have a service in, in the sanctuary at the synagogue. Um, so it was myself, it was Canterbury, um, and Abby, and then Jill was there in the Aww. sanctuary. Um, and my Shababi, whom I have told you about previously, my Shabbat Babi, Isabel, was also there in person. <laughs> um, and everybody else was there on Zoom. So, you know, we really did try to um, make the best of it with social distancing rules. And that was um, really it. Oh, um, we, uh, Abby and I spent a long time um, trying to choose our Hebrew names. Oh, um, so I still need my, um, certificate. I have not gotten my certificate of conversion. I have a copy of it somewhere. <laughs> it used to be on my fridge in Florida. Um, but it, you know, it, ha- it has our Hebrew name written on there. Um, I'll forgive you if it's not Noam. It's not. <laughs> it is. You're going to cry. You're all going to cry just to be clear. <laughs> um, I was really beating myself up about like finding a Hebrew name that was like brand new to me to some symbolize a new life. And then I was like, Emma, you're being dumb. <laughs> um, I picked the name Johanna, which is, uh, can translate to Joanne or Joanna. And, uh, Joanne is my grandmother's name. It's also my mother's middle name. Oh, and so choosing that name, that's so special. <laughs> choosing my that heart. name was, a way for me to, number one, you know, Judaism is a matrilineal religion. Um, that and, made and me I, emotional and I, a little bit. <laughs> I wanted to, to bring the women who had raised me and honor them um, into my Jewish life. And also it, it sort of helps make me feel legitimate um, by, by choosing that name. And I really just wanted, it, it was like, a way for me to just truly honor my mom and all that she's given me. Oh, um, that's because having her support has been and her interest. Like support is one thing. You can say, "Good job, Noam. I support you." But to have someone be interested in the thing that they are supporting you with or for means ten times more than just the generic, you know, pat on the back. You go, girl. Um, you know, my mom came to Shabbat services with me before COVID. Like she has been very committed in participating in my Jewish life in learning more about it. And choosing that name was like a way to give her a, a permanent stake oh, in, that <laughs> in, is in who I am and, and who I'm going to be. On so many <laughs> levels. And I think it's the perfect perfect way to um end this incredible podcast um i i I love this (laughs) um and i ask uh from everybody that come as a guest to the podcast if you have any podcast that you would love to recommend yes so i have I have three. Is that okay? That's okay. Because I love all of these. So the first one is pretty popular. Um, it's called Armchair Expert. It's with the actor Dax Shepard. Um, and I 
also like a podcast called Family Ghosts. And then, of course, you know, if you're not listening to Malcolm Gladwell on podcasts, are you even a podcaster? So revisionist history for the win. <laughs> My favorite podcast of all time. I just wanted to tell you, Emma, that... Um, you are one of the most wonderful people in my life. And I'm so grateful that you're in my life and you are my neighbor and you'll be my soul sister forever. Um, yeah, it's for life. And I, to share this, um, story and journey, it's not easy. Um, but I'm saying in the name of everybody who listened that. <laughs> Um, thank you. Thank you for sharing that because it's not, it's not an easy journey. Um, so it was very informative and I loved having you here. Um, thank you for having me as a guest. It really does mean a lot to me. I know I'm saying it in a weird voice, but that's just to cover up my emotions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and thank you for joining us on the Derek podcast and we will see you at the next episode. Bye.